subscribe. Subscribe to the channel. <laughs> Do it now. Yo, what's shaking, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Orange Bloods Modcast. I'm Jeff Ketchum, joined by Alex Dunlap, Jason Sukumo. We hope Anwar Richardson, maybe in and out. We'll see how today's show goes. Uh, we're wrapping up spring football. It was just a few days ago. It's our first chance as a group to get together. Yeah, there's Blurry Anwar in his in, in all his glory. <laughs> Do us a solid uh, so that we can afford a little bit better internet for Alex. Uh, and not Alex, but for Anwar, uh, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, get notifications, do all of those things. Anwar, we'll take advantage of you while we have you and do the best that we can and realize that some days, Spectrum. that Tuesdays yes. in, in Central Texas can sometimes be Tuesdays in Central Texas. Alex, I'll start with you. There's a lot of stuff going on, right? I mean, I think we've all gone back and rewatched the spring game on the DVR a few times since it was played on Saturday. I suppose the first question I want to start and we'll just whip around. Anything jump out in your mind from today? I know that you're literally writing columns right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking from something that you will either have written or will write. Uh, but what, what a couple of days later is the thing from the spring game that still kind of got you uh, thinking a little bit. Well, I haven't done my work on the offense yet, so I'm I'm like I still I've just started, you know. Like that'll be out on Thursday and I start those as soon as I get done writing my defensive stuff on Tuesdays. The offense takes longer, so I'll work through the offense today, Wednesday and get that up Thursday morning. Um so I've only just started. I feel like I mean I feel like the defense looked pretty good. I feel like the defense looked pretty good. Um the, on both, you know, both of them, the, the white defense and the orange defense. Uh, I thought it was interesting, man. I feel like we got some answers just defensively. I wrote about it today. Um, I, we got some answers about, you know, Ethan Burke, how he's going to look. We got some answers about Jamon Tapp, how he's going to look. Just, and just about how that edge rush spot is going to look coming up this next year. There were a lot of question marks about who's who, what's what, what's going on with it. And, the, you know, the neat thing that we saw during the spring game was with Jet Bush with the white team – or I'm sorry, with the orange team, and then Anthony Hill with the white team, both those guys working at like 45% clips off the edge. Um, we've talked about ways to get Anthony Hill possibly more involved if he wasn't going to be a starting inside linebacker for this team this year. When they go to that more of that true sort of 3-3-5 stack that we haven't seen that much during their time here. They've always, they, they've always talked about integrating that more – um, they they haven't really done that much where it's been three down linemen, three true linebackers with one kind of spun down to come off the edge on the outside and five uh, five defensive backs. That was Jet Bush with the first group and Anthony Hill with the second group. I don't think that it'll be like that coming into fall ball. I think that Anthony Hill probably they probably have him. Um, they probably have him. Um, what is it? Not benchmarked. What is it? Postmarked. Um, Earmarked. Earmarked, yeah, earmarked. I think they might have him earmarked for a role kind of like that because, boy, man, he was he, dude. He was definitely, definitely very effective in this game. One of the top, I guess, two or three guys as far as, um, as far as the metrics that you know I did doing the deep dig breakdown of it. He, dude, he looks like a good player, sort of just in that overhang role, working off the edge. So we could have an answer at that edge rush spot, maybe between some kind of mix, some some kind of Franken Franken edge guy between Ethan Burke. Anthony Hill and maybe a little bit of Jay Montap. Jay, Jay Montap looked good. I, I'd be interested to hear what you guys thought 
that's a 261-pound man that has all the athleticism in the world. This is starting to look like he's kind of coming on. Um, and not a moment too soon either because that's – I mean, it felt like to me – if Jay Montap wouldn't have had a good spring game, he would have been a guy that we talking about saying, well, yeah, man, is it, how, how long is this guy going to really stick around? He's got such great athleticism, but he just can't seem to get, get anything going. I really thought it was a impressive deal for him. So I feel like the edge is the most important problem on the team right now, offense or defense. And so to see it kind of come clear a little bit that there could be some answers here on the horizon, thought that was an important sort of takeaway. I thought also a little bit of clarity with Justice Finkley. We, yeah. we kind of suspected at the very beginning of the spring that what has happened at the end of the spring would be the thing that's happened, which is he's best suited to play that other defensive end edge spot behind Baron Sorrell, which gives them like legitimately a guy that's the backup there as opposed to Alex. It felt like there's a little bit of Robin Peter to pay Paul, right? It was a little bit of Alfred Collins mixed in and they'll still do some of those things. But I thought the snap allocation and the breakdown that you had of that for the defense might have been the single. It sucks because in reality, you could have just typed like 25 words <laughs> and conveyed that really important information without like a huge bunch of text. Um, but it was the thing that I took away from the most from your defensive breakdown was the actual breakdown of where those guys lined up gave us, I think, a little bit better idea of how that thing looks functionally going into the summer. Yeah, and the, and the thing is with, like, say, like like you mentioned, like with, with Burke, with Jay Montap, the only place those guys line up, the only place those guys line up is at that weak side defensive end, that buck defensive end, that edge rush spot, whereas you get guys like, like you said, Alfred Collins, he'll line up at like a strong side defensive end, you know, what was it, 25% of the time in this game. Same thing with Jer Jerry Bledsoe. Dude, they, they they put Jerry Bledsoe and Christopher – it's mainly Jerry Bledsoe because he played defensive tackle 64% of the time. They played him at defensive end 14% of the time, at edge 22% of the time. Um, Christopher Ross, I thought it was interesting. They just – I mean, I guess they only like him as an end or an edge guy. They don't they, they didn't play him at all inside of either of the two in, uh, inside positions all game. So basically what we're looking at is we're looking at probably Vernon Broughton being a guy who's maybe a little bit involved, you know, at that strong side uh, defensive end when they go to heavy packages. Same thing with Alfred Collins. Same thing with Christopher Ross. Maybe to some degree with Jerry Bledsoe. And then the guys mixing in at edge. It's it does look like it's you know one is Burke, two is Tap, and then you got guys just hopping in there every now and then like Bledsoe, um, Ross. And then, of course, you know, like I mentioned, I, I, which I thought was just most important, was the stuff that they were doing with Jet Bush and with and with Anthony Hill. I mean, Ant, Anthony Hill played forty-seven percent of his snaps inside and forty-four percent of his snaps at um, at at edge. So, um, or, 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 or I'm sorry, forty-seven percent at the mic, nine percent at the will. So fifty-six percent inside, but still. 44%, man, that's a good clip of plays to play off the edge. And I think if you think back at the big plays that, that, he, that he had and you close your eyes and you kind of remember them, it's, it, 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 it's him turning that corner, getting upfield and making those plays. So, um, sir, I thought it was a really good development. I thought it's just Texas is in a, is in a lot better spot right now than I sort of would have envisioned. Even even through spring, nothing really seemed to make sense. We were like, what, is, it, is this going to be Justice Finkley? They, they're really going to just try and turn Justice Finkley loose? Like, um it feels like there are some answers there that are kind of um, 
somewhat answered at, at, at this point. And to see how the, th- those guys continue to go through and how they develop through the course of the summer and fall is going to be a really interesting and I think, frankly, pretty exciting thing to see. Anwar, I want to come to you and Jason uh, and get y'all's thoughts on kind of the same question, but just to follow up on the point that Alex is making, the comment that Sarkeesian made about Anthony Hill as a pass rusher kind of felt like a throwaway line in real time. You know, when he said it, it was like, oh, hey, there's an Anthony Hill mention. And I think people like to see that the five-star linebacker was getting mentioned. I didn't necessarily think, oh, he's going to be one of the keys now to the pass rush. But it does seem like since he made that remark a little more than a week ago that, you know, you you get the sense that they're – they're definitely toying around with him and that he did something late in workouts as a pass rusher that really got them getting creative with the use of him in the last third of camp. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, you know, we, we didn't hear much about Hill for the majority you know of camp and basically that, that last week, uh, this you know, sort of, sort of kind of meant, end up being a little bit more mentions, you know, of him, and then you know, uh, you know, we've heard more, more, hear more about, you know, the production that he's having in practice. I think I had something in the war room about like how he had had a really good week of practice, and of course, uh, Saturday's game, you know, he had a he had a really good. So, you know, I, I think we've all been kind of just waiting for that like that Anthony Hill moment, and, and for him to kind of get that momentum going, and so and, that, and it seemed to be really of last week was kind of like maybe that Anthony Hill, you know, take off that, uh, like I said, we've kind of been anticipating. So, and then it was good to see it. Like, you know, you know, again, now that Alex says it, everyone can kind of go back and watch and see where Hill was kind of lining up when he had like the most productivity. Uh, and, you know, that's good clues, you know, uh, as far as that is concerned. I, the only thing I wanted to ask though, before you jump to Jason, and, and I know this is a separate conversation for later on, but I just would want to ask Alex, I know you were talking about the defensive line, and you know, feeling good about where where that line is at, but they they added someone in the portal, so I can't imagine like the the Texas staff may not feel as good about it because if they. So I'm just kind of curious that like on the whole trill Carter, Carter heavy, but I just kind of <laughs> okay. But just just based off plan. of what you're saying, Alex, I. Yeah, so just just based off of based off of that, I just was wanted to and just kind of ask Alex, like, you know, it, it, one would it seem to correlate with the other? Well, I yeah, I I get that. Um, and what I'm saying, may, I guess the point I was trying to make was that I I feel better right now about what's going on at the edge spot than I had through any point through all of spring camp. Now that I've just sort of seen a, a little bit of how this is going to look, a little bit of how. Ethan Burke has come along. I mean, almost as substantially, how Jamon Tapp, a guy who I, who I, I legit thought that he might be a guy we could be talking about, maybe hitting the transfer portal, you know, after after spring ball. Like, it, it, I mean, he's he's a really a, gr- a great athletic specimen and stuff. It's just we've been tapping our feet, man, waiting for something to happen with this guy. And you can see how he might be getting frustrated too. I think that having a really good spring game like that. I mean, he was in on a. He had like three pressures. He had a TFL. He had a sack. Like he he was all over the place. And he was going a lot versus the first team. He's going versus like Christian Jones. He had a couple reps versus Cal, uh, Kel, versus um versus Kelvin Banks and stuff. And so, um, I 
to me, it's more about the, you know feeling a lot better about the about the edge edge rush. I can understand why they would want to add maybe more players with that in, with the interior de- defensive line. Now, whether Trill Carter is going to you know be a big part of any production that comes from the Texas defensive line, well, the answer to that is clearly no. But could they use the depth, and could they could they use another body? I mean, I, I think that that's I think that that's probably what they're looking for, and you know. They 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 went through the dented can bin of the transfer portal and they found this guy Trill Carter and that's you know if they think that that's the guy that's going to help them as maybe a fifth or sixth sort of defensive tackle type of player I think he'll be competing with uh, Aaron Bryant and Sidier Mitchell to get on the field maybe Vernon Broughton. It's funny, Alex. I thought of this entire conversation for me isn't whether or not I think Trill Carter's better than. Byron Murphy or Tavondre Sweat is whether he gives them an upgrade in the guys below that. To me, this feels like the Vernon Broughton, you don't have to transfer, but it might do you some good if you want to play this year, kind of unofficial. You know, this was the opposite of a vote of confidence. It was a, a guy directly kind of coming into his space to potentially take his snaps and you know like I don't think it's their most glaring need but if they feel like that guy upgrades Vernon Broughton and Vernon Broughton was otherwise going to play a lot of snaps then it does make sense I think it also is an indicator that they may have more room in the portal to play with that you know locking down some depth Jason at defensive tackle was their first call of duty. Now they've looked at receivers, right? I mean, we've seen them toy with some guys, but uh, before the the portal even officially opens up because of his situation as a grad transfer, they've been able to treat him a little different. Um, you know, at, at first, a week ago, I was a bit surprised to see that he was the first guy that they were really going after bringing in for official visits and that kind of stuff. Uh, just your general thought on, Troy Carter, I know you talked to some people who cover the Minnesota program, so I'm curious how you're viewing this the day after he commits. Uh, similar to you um, and, and Alex, too, I think. Um, more about depth than bringing in, you know, he's not A.D. Mitchell. Uh, he's obviously not Quinn Ewers. Um, he's not Ryan Watts, I don't think. I mean, could he possibly come in and start for Texas? Maybe, no. you know, in I don't think so, but you know, if, if maybe if somebody's injured or something, maybe he gets a couple starts. So I don't want someone coming back to us game ten and saying, "I told you he'd start a game or two. But um, I think he's he's a depth piece. Uh, he'll be in the rotation. You know, like you said, catch. I talked to people who cover uh, Minnesota who watched him. They said, "Hey, he was a good player for Minnesota." Um, I don't remember the exact wording. I'd have to pull it up, but like you know, they said he can. He's a productive player for them at times. Um, more in, in run support, as you kind of expect when you see a guy with his size, more in run support. They said he'll get some pass pressures uh, from time to time, some quarterback pressures, quarterback hurries, but that's not really his strength. And they said last year he really struggled with tackling. They said, uh, I know Alex's favorite, but pro football focus had him, I think he missed like 20% of his tackle opportunities or something crazy like that. So, you know, he's obviously going to have to get that cleaned up. And who knows, man, maybe he's chasing little running backs around in the backfield and, you know, forced him into somebody else's arms. You don't know the, exactly what happened on those plays. But, you know, um, Texas, we talked about this 
when they first started recruiting Trill Carter catch, you know, we said, Hey, they have been looking for an interior defensive lineman under every rock they could find at the high school level back in December, junior college recruiting. I mean, Bo Davis has been looking for somebody does now, does that mean, uh, what does that mean for the guys that are on campus? Guys like Vernon Broughton, uh, Alfred Collins to some degree, you know, I don't know. I don't think it's the best uh, sign of uh, confidence in those guys. So, um, you know, I think Trill Carter comes in and I think he contributes. I think he's part of the rotation. Do I think he's going to be a frontline plus player for Texas? Not necessarily expecting that, but I do think he can help that defense. Jason, just to go back to the conversation that we were having a little bit earlier and going back and looking at the spring game, I'll take Anthony Hill off the table for you to talk about. Anything else really jump out at you from, you know, it's it's always such a different experience the second time, third time through a game than it is in the beginning because you find yourself watching the ball so much, maybe don't watch some of the other things. Anything strike you um, as, as truly notable? You know, I wrote about it in my column today, Catch. I would encourage, and there's a lot of good recruiting stuff in there, I feel, so go read the 321 column on Orange Bloods. Um, I was at the game on Saturday. I went down there and watched the first half. I got there early, and truthfully, I'm down there stalking recruits as much as anything, right? So I've got my, my telephoto lens. I'm taking pictures of name tags to see, oh, who's that dude? I can't recognize him 50 yards away from me. But so I'm watching recruits, and then I watch the first half of the game. And then I come home and then I start working the phones and stuff recruiting wise. Um, but yesterday I did, uh, I always point over here, that's where my TV is, but I did rewatch the game. I had recorded it, of course, and kind of got a little bit better view of the game you know, than I got when I initially watched it in person on Saturday. You know, a couple things. The first thing that I first note I put was like, hey, transfer punter uh, Ryan Sanborn can't get her soon enough. All right. They need that dude in a bad way. And I know that's far down everybody's priority list, but. The punting game was pretty brutal. Uh, and I think like, I looked at the stats and like they had to have padded their stats on those punts because some of them were just got awful. I don't think they made it 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, I thought the quarterback play, I know Quinn was pretty efficient, but he did almost have one picked off by a couple walk-on guys. Right, had to like look and see who the heck they were. Um, you know, I, I thought he played a solid game, but, you know, I still think there's room for improvement for Quinn Ewers. I thought Malik Murphy was fantastic, of course. Um, you know, everybody remembers the deep ball to Jonte for a touchdown. I said that might have been his fourth or fifth best ball that I thought he threw on, on the day. I mean, but Malik was efficient. I've always said I just think he's a gamer. Now, can he do it when the, the big lights are on? I don't know, but he sure stepped up uh, on Saturday. You know, Arch, not much to say about Arch. He didn't play particularly well, but he didn't have a lot of help around him either. The thing that I guess catch stood out to me, I went into that game thinking, is one of these running backs going to really be able to step up and separate? Okay, Jonathan Brooks is out. Keelan Robinson's out. It's a great time for one of these backs to just really say, hey, I'm here. I'm going to kick this door in, and I'm going to maybe take a step forward towards the starting job. I don't feel like any of them did it. Um, I know Jaden Blue had a pretty decent statistical day. Uh, Savion Red did some nice things. C.J. Baxter didn't do a lot. He got the touchdown. But, you know, even the Jaden Blue touchdown run, it, it looked nice. It was a nice highlight run. But there was a green jersey. I think it might have been Jade Barron peeled off on that. The tackling was atrocious. Um, 
you know, I'm kind of all over the place. I thought A.D. Mitchell looked great. I mean, everybody loves the one-handed catch. That was a beautiful catch. But, again, man, I think in a game situation, I was against a walk-on safety who, for what, I don't know, he was, like, crawling around in the back of the end zone. I don't know what he was doing there. So, in a real game. That's Number 39 back there just yes, like rolling around was, in the end zone. <laughs> I thought he peeled off because A.D. had a green jersey on. But I'm like, no, no, man. He, like, fell before that He was ball. just scared of A.D., man. He sees yeah, his like, beast running in the end zone. He's like, oh, no, no, no. He was crawling in the yeah. back of the end zone when A.D. went up. It was a beautiful catch, okay? I don't care if that catch is against air, which it was. But, you know, A.D. showed some things. I thought, uh, obviously, Worthy showed some things. Um, you know, I think Alex mentioned B.J. Allen. Man, he racked up, filled up the stat sheet. Mm -hmm. He was the one who got burned covering uh, Xavier Worthy. Worthy. Yep. Yeah, yes, yes, B.J. Allen to run downfield with Xavier Worthy. That's not his game, but, man, he brought the wood on, on some hits. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a, an entertaining, productive spring game. We saw uh, saw some guys step up, got to, got to watch some young guys. My biggest takeaway, though, I really wanted to see one of these running backs wow me catch. I wanted to come home and be like, holy crap, C.J. Baxter is a no-brainer starter. I came out of that spring game. I still don't know what to expect from the running back rotation going into the fall. If anything, I, I think maybe more than I more than I felt going into that game, I think maybe it's Jonathan Brooks's job to lose still. Jason, it's funny. We're like lockstep in like every <laughs> – I'm with you. 100% of the way to the point where I was I was about to say Jonathan Brooks has never looked so good as he did by doing nothing on Saturday and kind of the yeah. other running backs did their thing. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, they're nice. I can see where they've got roles, but I'm with you. I didn't see a guy. And I don't think I went into Saturday consciously. Like that's what I'm looking for. It is just what kind of played out on Saturday as one of the things that I was thinking. It's funny that you and I almost thinking the same thing. I'll, I'll go a little bit further on the quarterbacks. This isn't an indictment of, of Quinn Ewers because I'm not trying to start a quarterback battle or anything. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty open-minded to the idea that we, we caught one practice and on any given practice, all three of these quarterbacks can have days where they look like guys you want to see playing games. But I don't know that I saw the game stacked in Quinn Ewers's favor in that he's the one that gets to throw to Worthy. He's the one that gets to throw to Mitchell. He's the one that, for the most part, has the main group of offensive linemen there that are going to give the quarterbacks this year, whoever they are, a chance to play. I was really impressed with Malik Murphy. I, I think you hit another point, Jason, that if we were ranking best throws of the day, that, you know, if we were ranked the best five, he might've had three or four of them. Like he just, he did some really nice things. The one right before the long one that the yeah. kid dropped, I forgot who dropped. Was that DeAndre Moore? DeAndre Moore in stride. That, that was been. a better throw than the one to cook. I mean, yeah. yeah. He had the darts, uh, forget who it was too early on. He had a couple where he really took the took some off the ball uh, to make some nice throws to guys. Hey, I'm curious, and, and y'all probably haven't read this yet. I actually graded them just from my naked eye. And I want to, if you don't mind if I jump in, catch. I'm curious. Let's just go. I'm going to go down the list. Quinn Ewers, catch, and Alex, how would y'all, if you were giving him a letter grade, what would you have graded his performance? Catch. I give Quinn Ewers? Yeah. 
was like a B. Okay, Alex. Did you have his final numbers at all? Like pulled up? I'm sure I, I have them in front of me. I think it was like 15 of 23 for like a buck 69 and a touchdown. I think. Yeah, th- there were no turnovers in this game, huh? None. Yeah. He was 15 of 20 in the first half, and then I think he um, went over three in the second half, and then he just didn't do. You know, they, they basically didn't use him with the starters in the second half. Uh B. I'm, I guess I'm like you, Catch. I think it's a B. We're all even. I gave him just a straight B. And I said, but you remember, I, I mentioned the past, I don't know, there was a couple of walk-on linebackers. Somebody got their hands on it. He also had that play when he threw it backwards to Xavier Worthy. It was almost a turnover, remember? Mm-hmm. And he even like – He had a couple of throws that had me not wanting to make a big deal, right? Like I'm not screaming fire in a crowded theater about the quarterback position, but – I didn't come away from Saturday thinking, holy shit, I've seen the new and improved Quinn Ewers, and he's light years away from what it looked like at this point last year. I thought it was good that he kept a clean game, even though there were a couple balls that he threw into some dangerous areas. Backwards pass to Worthy, and they showed him – I didn't see it at the game, but they showed him afterwards. He's like, hey, my fault. That was just an awful mental play. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember. It was like a swing pass, and Worthy was like three or four yards behind him, and he – Threw it to him, and of course the ball hits the turf, and Worthy had the heads up to jump, to jump on it. On it and, yeah. yeah, I'm like, dude, that's just a not a smart play. Those are the kinds of plays he made a couple of those last year. And we're like, oh, what is he thinking? Freshman mistake. So, yeah, we're all in a, in alignment there. I gave him a B. Um, Malik Murphy, um, catch. Or Alex, I'll know? give him a solid A. Like, I don't want to even mm-hmm. nitpick. I'm not gonna go like A plus, but I mean, the guy was. The guy completed 70% of his passes, which I think is kind of it's kind of a knock on Malik. It's not that he's not accurate, but if you were to rank the three quarterbacks, the top three quarterbacks in order, I think Malik would be the guy that you would think might be closer to 60 than 70% of completing his passes at this point in his development. Um, you know, I mean, Arch is like in the 65. I mean, he's not a 70% thrower the ball either at least at this at this point in his career he completed 70 percent of his passes uh he threw some balls down the field vertically that even though he i don't know that was surrounded by the best weapons to pull that off we had john Tay cook that's enough on some degree deandre moore can get open but he was doing that with freshman wide receivers uh whereas ewers had the deck st- the, the deck stacked a little bit with primarily, I mean, he's got Mitchell. He had Mitchell and Worthy on his team. He and Sanders. Need much else. And JT Sanders, too. And JT Sanders. So it was a stacked deck and that we came away really impressed with the guy who was working with the lesser group of weapons. Now, maybe that says something about those guys not being that much more a lesser group. Uh, but he was working out with the backups, essentially. And I thought he he looked really, really good. And I thought that he let it loose and just kind of let it go maybe a little bit more than the other quarterbacks did. And I thought on this day, it really worked out for him. Yeah, I'm assuming we'll all be in line. But Alex, uh, great. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I feel like the same way Cash does. I give him an A. And that's 70%. Like, I can't get over that drop either. By number nine, like I can't. I mean, it, w- it would have been what seventy three percent. How do you caught that ball? Something like that. Yeah. Well, and uh, he re- it was to me. It's no small thing that he responded back. 
And he threw very, a ball very next play. Very next play, very he throws play. arguably a better ball to John Tate Cook. Uh, I think it was a more difficult ball to throw. Uh, against a good DB, you really would have seen how beautiful that throw was, that there was such separation between Cook and the mm-hmm. DB. Kind of made the sh- the throw a bit underrated at that point because the, 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 the window for getting him the ball was pretty wide. But I, I thought it was a sensational throw. And then coming coming back on the heels of having a ball dropped and then making that throw as if to say, no big deal, dropping my 80-yard touchdown pass. I'll just do it on the next play. Uh, you know, that's, that's not stuff that just everybody can do. And DeAndre dropped from – I believe he dropped a pass from Malik earlier, and then he dropped the long one, and then Malik came back to him one or two times after that. So I said, good, hey, good, good quarterback and to keep his guys – head in the game. Um, I'll be curious to see. And, and by the way, I was in total agreement. I had Malik as a flat out A. I couldn't do A plus, um, but I had him at A. I think maybe our Arch Manning grades will be where we differ. So um, I'll go for I had him at a C minus. Um, I get it, man. He had nobody around him. He had no time, but he just didn't do much. I can't go any really higher than that. Interestingly, I thought one of his best balls was it was a throw down the sideline to Jonte where he got pressure and he kind of had flushed and rolled right. And Jonte had one-on-one. He threw it out there. And I said, dude, that's what you got to do. Give your playmaker a chance to make a play when you're facing pressure and you're on the run. Um, There's a, a well-placed ball. Jonte couldn't come up with it. But um, I've got arts. I went with a C minus. I mean, and honestly, listen, it's one practice. He's a true freshman. I mean, I don't want to get overboard here, but I thought that might have been a little even generous, but I'm curious to hear what y'all what y'all's grades would have been an arch. I I I'd give him a C. I just, I just for for me it would have been A for Malik, B for Quinn, C for um, Arch Manning, and maybe that's good because I go easy on Arch Manning just because I have so much belief in him. I don't I, I I don't know, but you know he was going like he was going against the tougher defense a lot of the time. His offensive line, I don't know, man, I don't know, because he switched off between the second and the third offensive line, him and Malik did. And I remember at times at Slack, I was talk, yeah, I mean, I can say this, like, because this is what I was saying in Slack. It's like, um, sometimes that, that third, and it wasn't always, but there were times where the third offensive line looked like they were holding up a little bit better in pass pro than the second offensive line. You know, there were, there were, uh, and I'm going to be interested as if, if I go, when I go back, if that's sort of, off the cuff observation, whether there's anything to that or not. Um, regardless, uh, it, you know, it felt, I mean, you know, Quint, it just felt like Malik, it just felt like he had a lot more throws to guys like John Tay Cook and, and DeAndre Moore. And it felt like, you know, it felt like it's um, walk on his first, his yeah, first like he's like, he's number yeah, 40, man. like to guys like. Thatcher Thatcher Milton is his number there one. There you go. I was you wondering know, if you were going to pull that out. Um, so Patrick Bayuth and stuff. So like I um, I think that just I'm I'm giving him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt there, and I'm also giving him a benefit of the doubt for whenever things completely broke down and the offensive line had crapped the bed, mm-hmm. everything. Man, at least he would just get to the sidelines, just throw that ball away. You know, just he used throw, legs pretty well. I said he almost to me looked as good running the ball as he did throwing the ball too. Right. So I mean, I think I'll just give him the benefit of a doubt and say that honestly, he he looked more like a he looked more like a freshman than I've seen him look like a freshman this spring. Kind of a throwaway performance, if we're being honest. Yeah, and so for that reason, I mean, I just give him a C and I get and I give him the benefit of the doubt 
rolling in what I've seen through the rest of spring and also saying, you know, he was, he was put in the toughest spot of all those guys. I, if forced to give a grade, would just give a C by default. Uh, I, I, and my real answer is an incomplete. I, I didn't know what to think. Every time I looked up, I, I, Jason, you mentioned it. There were plays where he did have John Tay cook on the field with him. So it wasn't a complete, um, calamity in terms of just giving him walk-ons to play with. But it seemed like, from my perspective, there was a lot of that. And I thought, in, in a game where they're putting Arch in, they would really go out of their way to try to create some plays that might get Arch comfortable. I thought one of the things that you got in that spring environment was they were just calling plays. And who he had with him wasn't set up like, Hey, let's get him some good stats so that he can just never felt it was called that way. Uh, so it's hard for me to be overly critical. Um, he was the least good <laughs> of the three quarterbacks. So you can rank them in kind of whatever order that you want to. Uh, but I, 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 you know, I'd like to have seen him a day later with, a little bit of a different personnel grouping, a little bit more John Tay, a little bit less Thornton, uh, Milton, Thor Thorsten. <laughs> Thatcher. Thurston Howell, Thurston Howell, Milton the third. Milton, <laughs> Milton Friedman. That's uh, I, I know his last name is Milton. Uh, and I know Thatcher Milton. You got Thatcher it. Thatcher Milton. A little <laughs> less, thing, you know, that's a hell of Thatcher Milton can walk away from his career at Texas. Caught Arch and he's a little bit of like a, he, he's a very, he'll be an obscure piece of you know trivia knowledge who was the first guy to catch a pass from arch manning in a, in a scrimmage in front of fans well okay well there you go like he's got a name like that. a state senator or something like that right that's right i keep thinking of gilligan's island uh you know thurston b howell or thurston howell the third or whatever that guy's name is um so i don't know i just wouldn't make too much out of what what he did i think on a different day that could have been Arch. Thing is, that could have been Arch and Malik's. They could have swapped those roles on any given day. It's good that on this day it went that way for Malik because I think it helped Sarkeesian and part of the narrative that Sarkeesian wants to be telling all of these quarterbacks. But had that been Arch who had had that day and Malik had had the day that Arch had, I don't know that there's any turning back on – we were joking about this yesterday. Yeah, on our I mean, that, yeah dude, that Arch Genie ain't going back in the bottle if that goes down with him. Right? The headline on ESPN, ESPN.com was Arch Manning receives ovation, <laughs> comma, completes a pass. jeez. Oh, I did not see that. And, you know, like, they're, they were waiting. And in the end, he, he didn't give them a lot – ESPN headline writers to go crazy with, but it's a reminder of like, this is a tricky little quarterback goulash that Sarkeesian is working with. Got three really talented guys, um, but how the public and the media frame these conversations are, are tricky. And on this day, it didn't have to be. Your starting quarterback is still the starting quarterback. Nobody's really going out on a limb and saying that Malik 
Murphy should be the starting quarterback. I think there's a conversation to be had that the guy that we saw on Saturday maybe deserves a little bit more run than he's received. I mean, he was hurt the first week, but we heard Sarkeesian come into training camp saying that he wanted a quarterback battle. On yeah, Saturday, it looked there's, like there's been no battle catch. I, mean, I he know said there's he been no yeah. battle. Yeah, but I'm saying you it'll, it'll really get interesting. All your memories of Arch Manning are of this season. At which point, his head coach was saying things like, "Well, we're going to have to have a starting quarterback battle in the spring." That hasn't happened. I think a case could be, and I'm not making it. I'm saying. I'm surprised it's not a little louder from a small group of people that Malik shouldn't be getting more of a look. I think where that can rear its head is early in the 2023 season. If they go to Alabama and, and the offense starts slow at all, you will hear people who will say, hey, it's all about playing the best guy. Give Malik a shot. Maybe he's a little bit of a curveball that changes it up for you. Uh, I think that's where it might potentially rear its head. Not now, but let us get to the season. And God forbid, you know, Quinn Ewers have any struggles at all. I think there will be a thirsty fan base at that point who will want to see what Malik Murphy can do. And I think Saturday's performance from the spring game will be a big piece of that thirst that exists. Catch, catch, do you, catch. Do you mean to tell me that you think that the Texas fan base could be impatient about something? <laughs> Backup quarterback. About this thing in particular, more <laughs> than anything. Like we, we all know. Like Jason was chuckling. He knows. Like he knows how fickle this group can be. And it wasn't even that long ago that Sam Ellinger was a senior, struggling in games in Lubbock, and there were a lot of people then who were like. Put Casey Thompson in. How bad can it be? I think. I think one of the negatives of uh, Quinn not having a little bit better of a year is that he comes into this year with little money in the bank, little goodwill, and if there are struggles, we thought it would be Arch that would get the calls, and he still might. But Malik, in, in doing something publicly like that in front of fans gives it a little more sizzle. Um, And I'm fascinated now to really watch how the quarterback thing unfolds because Texas has three guys. Like I said, three guys that on any given day, you'd, you'd want to watch playing a game to see how they look. And it's a little bit of a different dynamic than probably what we've seen in, in past years where you hoped that Texas would have two Jason you, really, you hope that they had one that would come from a two, but it never really crossed your mind that there were three guys. Uh, it's just, it's, 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 it's a good problem to have, but it's still a problem. Well, you said it like if Malik would have done that on whatever it was Thursday, their last practice before the spring game, it wouldn't have created this discussion that we're having yeah. now, but you know, the fact that he did that at the spring game, people in the stands, people watching on television, that's going to stick in people's minds going all the way into next season. And you said it, I was going to say it, and uh, you said it first, but 
This will get really interesting if Quinn Ewers struggles in the first couple of games. You know, I don't know week one, but week two in Alabama, you know, I don't think what Alex and I have a twenty dollar bet. I gave him what was it two to one odds, Alex? Right? Is it two to one? Two huh? to one? No, it was <laughs> 20, 20 to one or five. 20, 20, 20, 20, 20 to one. No. I think it's um, five to one. Oh no 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, you know, I don't see any way it's not Quinn Ewers. I don't care if if Quinn has a mediocre fall camp and uh, Malik lights it up or even Arch lights it up. I still think. I feel strongly, I still feel it's going to be Quinn taking those first reps in game one, assuming he's healthy, of course. But, boy, if he struggles like, you know, Alabama game, he's not playing well and Texas is down by a couple scores. Man, the chatter for Malik Murphy based off of that spring game, and I get it, it's one practice, but it was one practice in front of a lot of eyes. There's going to be a lot of people wanting to see uh, see what Malik can do. So, you know, like you said, catch Quinn didn't play well enough last year where he gets the benefit of the doubt. You can be like, oh, that was just an off day for Quinn. You know, he, that's probably his one off day. He's going to bounce back. He didn't play well enough where he gets that kind of benefit of the doubt. If he struggles early in next season, uh, that quarterback discussion is going to be really interesting. Well, speaking of an off day, how about this? Like, I, I was on a, I'm on a group chat with a bunch of guys that, you know, I, I went to college with and, they were asking me about Malik and if he always looks like, I mean, uh, so I get the, I get a feel for the fan base, not only from orange bloods with I'm on all the time, but also just from my friends, you know, that I went to school with and they were asking me, you know, does he look like this all the time? And I, uh, so I told them, and I'd be interested to hear what, what, what you guys think. If we run that spring game back 10 times, how many times does Malik Murphy look like that out of 10 and how many times is he the complete opposite where he goes out there and he really looks kind of kind of bad? Um, I think if it's set up similar, similarly, playing with the same roster against the same defensive yeah, player. Yeah, just, just, just the same, but run back 10 times. I think he probably looks the same 7 out of 10. I mean, I think he does it pretty regularly, especially in that situation. I've seen the dude. I watch a lot of his high school games. I'd stay up and watch him. I mean, he led his team to a state championship, a team that was – not expected at all to be in that position. This is a dude who just has a knack for elevating people around him. I remember we, I went out to Vegas to watch him seven on seven, and he he, he walks in the building, dude, and, and he's the guy everybody's there to see, including players from other teams from Florida and stuff. They're like, oh, shit, that's that quarterback I've heard about. And what's he do? Like goes out and like throws like seven touchdowns or something like that against no interceptions. It's seven on seven. I get it, but he just has a knack to me for elevating Alex when he needs to. And he has a, he also has a knack for elevating the people around him. Um, so I feel pretty confident that we'd see a similar performance more times than not. So I think, I don't know, seven or eight times. Do you think he does that 70% of the time, Catch? I was going to say that probably five out of the ten times they're, ex- they're identical. Probably two times they're a little bit better. and Probably three times – out of 10 is a performance and noticeably would be worse, but more times than not. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I I'm thinking out of 10, at least seven of them are probably, probably seven, not higher than seven, but probably seven ish are in the ballpark in that vicinity of performance or slightly better. Um, you know, he could have, they could have been a two touchdown day pretty easily. His as good as his numbers were, they could have yeah, that's looked what I'm even saying. better with a little bit of 
fortune, good fortune on his part. So, so, so on the bottom end, I was close to you guys. What I, what I told my friends is I said, look, man, three out of, so basically I'm almost, I said three, three out of 10 times. He's not going to look anywhere near that, that good three out of 10. He, he won't, I was just kind of thinking, but I, that doesn't mean I think all seven times he's going to look that good. You know, I think maybe I'm with you, Kat. I think maybe it's like four times he'll look that good. Three times he'll look still maybe, maybe, maybe less of an A and more like a B. Right. And then three times, um, I'm not, way not, more not concerned the about Quinn Ewers right now. I, I, I there were, I just don't know. And uh, well, I mean, I think it's weapons. perfectly reasonable to be. I mean, it's very reason. I mean, it's, it's very reasonable to be concerned with, with Quinn Ewers just based on what we. I mean, we have a whole season to look back on it on on him, and we're and and right now what we're looking for is something that will give us confidence that there's been a. Descript change from that, you know. That I'm not sure that I'm not sure that we came out of this spring game saying, "All right, well, that's." I mean, wheels up, dude. That's a different Quinn. I mean, he's got the weapons, yeah. so he can't. You almost can't have better weapons. If I'm Sark, I'm like, look, I've got him wide receivers, got him got a tight end. You know, line. the, the O line's not terrible, so he should be able to feel some comfort because that was one of the things as a high school prospect that I had a little bit of concern with, with, with uh, Quinn was that he played in such a clean pocket that it didn't happen very often where he, I think felt pressure. So, you know, one of the only times in his high school career when he ever felt pressure was in the state championship game against Westlake. He felt a lot of pressure that day. Now, it was still through for like 300 yards, though. Right. But, you know, <laughs> still threw a couple of picks. And, and more than anything else, they got him to suddenly – you're seeing his arm angles change. You're seeing the footwork not completely be where you want it to be, where there are some games maybe he can throw the ball off his back foot, and there are other games you can't. And he learned in that game that was one of those games you can't. Um, I don't know. Like, there's just still a piece of me. There was just enough on Saturday where I had a question mark and it's a question mark that really can't be answered until they go to Tuscaloosa until they play in some of these games that look like they should be wins on paper, but they're the quintessential Texas goes on the road in Lubbock, you know, and, and plays a game where you're just like, Oh yeah, no, they, of course they lost that game because there's going to be one or two of those every year. Um, it's how he looks in some of these games um, that I just don't know about. And I hope he you – know, I'm, I'm pulling for him. God knows how awesome it would be to cover a team that wins a Big 12 championship this year. I mean, it would be nice to have – you know, we're running a promo right now. Within the first day and a half, 24 hours of running a, a promo on this team, we got like 15, 20 signups. There are people who are excited. Yes. Put that bad boy up there. There's a free uh, trial on Orange Wedge right now. The rest of the offseason uh, on us. And if we can't win you during the offseason, then we're not doing our jobs right. So, like, it's basically four months of Orange Bloods. Go check it out. See what you like. See what the fuss is all about. There's an interest there. We put that out there yesterday. Already, between yesterday and today, we've seen signups. Um, what would it look like if, by God, this team was actually really good? 
we're rooting for it. <laughs> yeah. There's just a part of me, though, that I can't lie to people. So if they come up to me and they're like, so what'd you think, catch Big 12 championship or bust? I have enough questions elsewhere and a big enough question left, left with Quinn Ewers that I'm a bit of a shoulder shrug. Hey, catch. Do you remember at the Orange Bloods Happy Hour on Friday, the first question was, is Texas back? You notice I didn't answer that question, by the way. I emphatically answered it, and I said Texas is back. I think Quinn Ewers is going to have a huge second season in Austin. I'm not totally backtracking on that, but I do have some reservations after that spring game, kind of like you're talking about. There was just enough there that left some question marks uh, in my head with with Quinn Ewers, and, and I think we'd all agree this team's probably going to go as Quinn Ewers goes in the fall. So in reality, that AD Mitchell catch, <laughs> where, where was that ball going? Yeah. He makes a great catch on it, but if that if he doesn't make that catch, that's a play that during the season we're talking about wide open receiver throws it behind him. That should have been. There was a number of moments last year, and look, he's a young quarterback. He's going to have some of these where hey, the throw to Worthy was a beautiful ball, but Worthy was wide open. He's not going to be well. Worthy gets open, but I don't know if he'll be that open in the fall. He threw it off his back foot again. I mean, that's the thing that everybody always talks about, dude. Quit throwing off your back foot. But the thing is, Quinn on it was fifteen of twenty three, if I'm not mistaken. Sixteen. I pulled it up. Sixteen of twenty three. Okay. One ninety five. One touchdown. So seventy percent completion. There was a lot of good inside of that. There yeah. are times when he makes throwing the football into difficult spaces look really easily. And it's at that moment that I found myself going, God, that's that's what you want it to look like. Him throwing the ball there in that spot to that player. It looks like if he was asked to do that a hundred times, he'd do it a hundred times just that easy. And then there are these moments where there's an, there's a throw that's made or a decision that's made that makes me go, oh, I don't know about that. And so I'm not making any bold declarations that are either positive or negative. I just, given that what we saw last season wasn't good enough, four months later, I think we'd be hard-pressed to say he's a completely different player. He's not how close he gets to being that completely different player in five months ultimately is the big question that exists. I think the good news for Texas fans, Jason, is I've seen quarterbacks that I've had question marks about go into these last final months of the offseason during the summer. And this is when Colt McCoy infamously kind of won the starting quarterback job. There are examples. I think it was during this time when the light switch really came off for Vince Young in 2005 when it was like, okay, he's now the thrower of the football that he wasn't even the year before. So there's a lot of time left to work. I think he can get there, but I, I do feel I would be disingenuous if when the subject of the starting quarterback play comes up, I don't acknowledge that I'm just not sure right now. Still steps to be taken for sure. But like you said, this is a key offseason. Sark said after the scrimmage, he said, hey, you know, finally come in and said, hey, Quinn is our starting quarterback. So I don't think Quinn was looking over his shoulder anyways, but he certainly doesn't have to now. He can be the guy who 
leads these offseason workouts and kind of takes control of this team. And maybe he can do what Colt McCoy did and Vince Young did. And uh, Jason, I think they win the Big 12 last year if A.D. Mitchell is on this team and healthy for 12 games. He he is what Isaiah Nayor was supposed to be. And this team didn't have that all year last year. When you think about the fine margins that determine games, a little bit more offense in all of those games goes a long way. I mean, hell, they couldn't even score against TCU on offense. But the whole thing changes with a little bit of extra weaponry on the field. And so even though I have doubts, I do think, boy, that had Jonte and and, mm-hmm. and and A.D. Mitchell both on this team last year, as much as he struggled at times, I think he might have struggled with more success, if that makes any sense. And he would have been given, I think, some free passes because they win that game last year if he's healthy in Lubbock. And, you know, forget about the Hudson Card element of that. I think if he's healthy, they win that game, especially if you're giving him extra weapons and not asking it to be Xavier Worthy or Bust all the time. And I think, isn't that the big thing? Either one of you, I know I'm just rambling now, but you come out of the spring and it's not just one guy. They've got three, four, five guys that in the passing game they can count on. And that makes this team feel really scary. That's a big reason I boldly proclaimed, if you will, on Friday. I expect him to have a, a big bounce back year. He's put in the work. He's got experience, but also he's got a lot of weapons around him. Last year, if uh, when Xavier Worthy went out, it was like, you know, if he went out for a series, it, we saw him occasionally hobble off the field. It's like, oh, hell, the wheels are going to fall off now. But they've got enough depth and they got a lot of talent. You can't just key on Xavier Worthy. And if a guy has to miss a game or two or a series or two, it won't be catastrophic for this offense. I'm, I'm look, DeAndre Moore had 11 targets in that game, man. I mean, you know, we talk about John T. I think DeAndre Moore can be a really good player for this team. I mean, Worthy, Whittington, Mitchell. Um, I think the run game will be pretty good. Uh, you know, uh, JT Sanders at tight end, obviously. So I, I kind of said in my write-up, I was like, one thing about this team, it's going to be a prize picks nightmare because you're never going to be able to be like, oh, yeah, Xavier Worthy, he's going to get five catches, of course. No, it's going to be hard to predict, man, because there are going to be some weeks when one guy may get 11 and then the, the next week he may get two touches. A lot of mouths to feed, but they're good quality mouths defeat. Hey, Blake, real quick. Uh, I cannot get to the super chat because I just can't get to it in restream. Can you pop up Gregory's super chat so that uh, we can get that up there? I see it in the chat. Do you want to read it or can you see it? I mean, I can see it. Are you guys seeing or hearing any talk of Malik being more of a natural leader or endearing to his teammates? If so, how much does that matter to you? Um, I'll answer I haven't heard it a lot like at Texas. I mean, I think Arch is well-liked. I think Quinn's well-liked and, and well-respected by his teammates. But I'm telling you, man, Malik, I've been covering recruiting a long time. He does have a certain uh, just aura about him and his persona, and guys are just drawn to him. And Listen, y'all have heard me talk about him. He's an easy guy to like, even from a media perspective. But um, I don't want to say – I don't remember what the exact wording of the question was, but um, I don't want to say – that Malik being more natural leader. I haven't, I haven't specifically heard that talk or more endearing to his teammates, but I think if you took a private poll of everybody on that team, Malik would probably be one of the most well-liked guys on the team. He's just a, 
He's just a guy that has a magnetic personality. He builds people up. I mentioned it when DeAndre Moore dropped the first pass from him. Uh, Malik walked up and tapped him on the, hey, it's all right, I'll get you back. And then he dropped the long one, and Malik didn't show him up, and he kept coming back to him and threw him a couple balls. He, he really has natural leadership qualities. Unlike many quarterbacks I've ever covered before from a recruiting perspective, I can only assume that's kind of carried over to uh, to his time here in Austin. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. A, a variation of that. Haven't heard specifically, hey, Malik. I mean, he missed so much. He missed the first third of the spring. So, you know, I mean, I think he's been playing catch up a little bit. But, no, I haven't heard that. But, like, it's probably also not a question that Malik gets asked of a ton because he does, I think, do some of that stuff really naturally. Uh, another super chat from Christie says, what's the word on Bear Alexander? Did Bo Davis really go on a visit on a private jet after the spring game? I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that either. Uh, look, I, I think Texas is always going to have it. This coaching staff is all in on trying to improve this team. Uh, through whatever means it can. So the fact that they went out and got Troy Carter is they clearly want to upgrade that position. Is Bear Alexander the one to do it? I, like Jason and I, we don't have to go too deep on this to, other than to say Bear Alexander will be highly motivated by what he can earn in NIL at any of the schools that he looks at. And I think that, you know, if Texas can show him a world where he's making – million-ish dollars, then, like, I think he'll have a real interest. I think he's not going to go to a school that doesn't lay out a platform for him on the NIL front where he's going to make a lot of money. So I think that in a lot of ways we're in the infancy stages of Bear. Bear Alexander may have thought he knew where he was going when he entered the portal, but he will have a line of suitors. Those people will all want to tell him different things. So I and why not have another big recruitment that you, that, that's going to pay you out? I'd go to every school. Well, like, I mean, look, this school? is <laughs> – if you're going to do it once, and this is – you know, I don't anticipate that Bear Alexander is going to be a graduate transfer anytime soon. He's only in his first year still. So I think he's going to do it once. He's going to, He's going to get a payday. And then – after this season, he'll have one year left, and he'll play that year out, and he'll go pro. Like that's that's what he's planning to do. Um, I've thrown out a few texts. I haven't heard back from anybody who's indicating that Bear and Texas are significantly attached to each other. Uh, but you know, I mean, Texas knows how to get in control of Bear Alexander's people, and vice versa. So. I don't know. We'll see. My first instinct was more Texas A&M, Jason, than it was Texas. You liked A&M a lot better than Texas as a yeah. recruit, high school recruit, but lots changed. Most of the buzz seems to be centered on Southern Cal. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not saying I reached out to Bear directly. We used to see if there's a, a chance he'll get to Austin for a visit. He hasn't responded. I'm sure he's got a million people uh, hitting him up. But, um, yeah, I haven't heard that. Like someone said on, on Orange Bloods yesterday, he's like, Oh, they heard that Texas isn't going to be interested. And I was like, dude, <laughs> it's a five-star defensive tackle. They're looking for defensive tackles anywhere and everywhere. You don't think they'd be interested in Barry Alexander if he is even slightly interested in Texas? But 
like Ketch said, it's not going to be just about, hey, let's win him over with a nice weather and a warm, fuzzy relationship. There's going to be a lot that goes into Because the weather ain't nice. The weather ain't nice. (laughs) Well, there's be a lot that goes into not today. A lot that goes into winning out uh, with Bear, Bear Alexander in the end. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of tentacles too. The bottom line is though, he improves any team in the country that he joins from a talent standpoint. I mean, he's a guy that was making plays in a national championship game four months ago. You know, he's good. He's and and and. <laughs> he's at a position where everybody says they need a little bit more help. Even the Alabamas of the world, even Georgia, now that they've lost Bear Alexander, is saying, you know what, we could use a five-star level defensive tackle to come in and improve our rotation. I mean, yeah, of course. So, um, you know, keep an eye on that one. I think in general, we can close the modcast out today with just a little portal talk. It's... The next couple of weeks, Jason, you and I have gone back and forth over just how valuable is the portal? What can you get out of the portal? Are you getting guys that really improve your program? Or are you just getting other guys who aren't making it at one school and are hoping to hit make it at another school? It's it's kind of a feels like it's been a, in the middle of all of that. I mean, a lot of fool's goal, but also a lot of Really good players have changed a lot of seasons uh, early on. I kind of feel like Texas is going to get into it from a portal standpoint. And the Troll Carter addition is an example of if they can get a few more players that make a little bit of difference on both sides of the football, I really – I think they're going to go for it. And I and I and there's a part of me that wondered, would Sark do it? Yeah, I – I think we're going to see a few more pieces of attrition. And then I think depending what goes into the portal, I think, you know, Jordan Hudson's name from TCU pops into the portal today. I, I have, I, I definitely believe that Sark will go after a receiver somewhere. So I'm, I'm really interested to see over the course of the next couple of weeks, what this free agency period, that's exactly what it is. What this free agency period uh, can allow for Texas to do with its roster. I disagree a little bit. I think the portal can be more impactful on that first portal window. Yeah, this is the second of, wave of free agency, right? This is yeah, that's the better way to say. A lot of these guys it. now are the ones that have gone through spring ball and they're like, all right, I'm not cutting it, I'm not playing, I'm going to leave. You may have a freshman uh, like the receiver you just mentioned. Um, those guys might be a little different, but and I know early on there was a lot of talk catch back uh, in the first portal wave of Texas, maybe taking two receivers, but I think it's going to be hard to get a second receiver. I mean, you look at, they got A.D. Mitchell, they see Jonte Cook, they see DeAndre Moore. Yeah, whatever. He had a couple drops, but, you know, um, Xavier Worthy, Jatavian Sanders, Isaiah Neal are still waiting in the wings. I mean, I think there's a lot more attractive options if I was a receiver in the portal than coming to Texas. Um, I don't know that they're going to find those type types of guys are going to be come in and be contributors. Um, you know, I still think obviously an edge player, if he's in there, linebacker, maybe a tight end that can come in and help out a little bit as a backup be- behind Jatavian Sanders and move into a much bigger role next year. But I just don't feel like uh, this wave of portal players, you're going to have as many impactful players as you did in the, the first round. Maybe I'm I wrong. Think you're right. I, I wonder how much true tampering 
takes place. So thing is, when the last window happens, happens right after the season's over, you guys are going guys are kind of scatterbrained a little bit. A lot of these guys now have had three or four months to seek deals, to have their agents work behind the scenes. I'm I'm curious if there's less activity, but more specific. You know, when A.D. Mitchell went into the portal, he went into the portal and was with Texas the next day. Mm-hmm. How many of those types of situations? And we all knew it was see? coming. What's that? So we all knew it was coming. <laughs> no, exactly. And I wonder if we we may not see a thousand guys go into the portal, but we might see a hundred. And that hundred may be guys that when they go in are really prepared to go in as opposed to it was at this time last year when there was some thought that Jody Barron might go into the portal, but he wasn't really ready to go into the portal. He, he, he thought he like, Hey, if I go into the portal, I think there might be deals available, but he didn't have anything that behind the scenes from what I've been told had been ironed out. If he had his whole situation may have looked different last summer. Are guys going to be more proactive and not waiting, but maybe trying to create. It's one of the great unknowns about the portal is how it continues to evolve semester after semester. Hey, you're probably right, Jason. But boy, this was this was the portal where Jordan Addison entered last year, and you know it would only take a handful of guys, the right guys, that if they changed and they went into the portal and went to a few specific schools could change the trajectory of the entire college football season. I don't know. Texas to me is so close to being the outright favorite in the big 12 that if you told me they got a starting linebacker um, and some defensive end depth, say a guy that's played 30 or 40 games in his career, but he's never been a starter, but he's been a solid player like at a Miami or a Florida State or somebody like that. You told me they could get a starter next to Jalen uh, Ford and then somebody to give them some depth at defensive end. It seems like a small ask, but I felt like if you told me they were going to be able to do that, I'd, I'd feel more comfortable about calling this team a Big 12 champion going into this season. Here, real quickly, it looks like we have a couple super chats. I'm looking at – I want to circle back to Christy's question about Bear Alexander. He was a freshman last year. I get it. But he had nine tackles on the years, guys. He had two sacks, one of which was against TCU in the championship game. This isn't – I mean, and I get it. He's at Georgia, and they got tons of talent he's got to compete with. But he, he he's an obvious take. Okay, listen, he, Barry Alexander wants to come. He's an obvious take, but he's playing behind Jalen Carter. <laughs> yeah, the, I know, the best player I, in the draft. I still think sometimes people get a little too hung up on recruiting rankings and they forget. I mean, you know, I was I don't know if he was truly behind. I guess he probably was truly behind if he's but I don't know, man. I just, I wasn't even as high on Bear as a recruit as some of the ranking services were, but uh he just wasn't ultra productive. I get it, man. They got a lot of talent in front of him and around him. If there was ever going to be a guy, Jason was going to throw his name into the ring. He, quite honestly, I, I say the same thing about Jordan Hudson. I mean, these are not guys that anybody should be surprised about. 
that one year in and they're in the portal and looking to see if there's a trade-up option. These were yeah. guys that enjoyed the recruiting process and flip-flopped in terms of who they were going to go to and who's the favorite. And again, Texas A&M so synonymous with Bear Alexander during the recruiting process. It's hard for me to think they won't be in contact with him. You've got so many defensive tackles. I, I don't know what their roster looks like off the top of my head, but over the last couple of years, yeah. they've recruited so many high-level defensive tackles, including DJ Hicks last year. So to me, that just wouldn't make sense if he wants to transfer somewhere to go to a Well, I can give you a million reasons why something can become. <laughs> yeah, well, of you know, Clean on paper. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts? Let's wrap, wrap this bad boy up. We got two other super chats, Catch Blake. Put oh, the chat uh, Jesse Click says, is our DBs the best our wide receivers will face this year? I don't know what everybody else's DB I, group I, looks I like. I think Ryan Watts is – oh, sorry. No, I, I'm just, I think it probably would be, but that, I say that without – I don't know what Alabama's depth chart is like or any of the teams in conference. Alabama's going to have some good guys. I mean, Ju Julius Brents is gone from Kansas State. Didn't Oklahoma State have a freshman? They have a good freshman. Um, who, I think Alabama's that? the answer here. No, I think that Texas there's is also, in the discussion. Uh, is a good who's, thing. Who's coming back? Um, oh, the, from Kansas. Kobe Bryant. Is, is that guy coming back? One DB. I mean, Kobe Bryant's really good, but yeah. if he's coming back, I don't even know. But that's one DB. I was DB. just asking if he's the, the, the best. I, th I, I think Oklahoma – didn't Oklahoma State have a, have, have a freshman? Um Kendall Daniels. I, I think Oklahoma State lost its entire team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I, I would say guys like Watson. But, I mean, guys like Watson, then going against the dude like Brooks who's physical, who can turn and run, though, and play that field. You know, a guy who's physical, they, they can also play the field corner. Um, he he presents you with a lot of weird shit if, if, if you're an opposing wide receiver. This is hard to deal with. So, uh, yeah, I think that they're good practice. Another super chat from Chris was – I'm just going to go to you on this one, Alex – I'm late. How good is the defensive tackle we got from the portal? He's, a, I mean, it's a he's he's a he's a sub replacement level player who's going to be good depth for Texas. He's going to be a three technique only. What did he play seventy something? I I I, I charted him through hundred snaps last year. He played like um, five hundred and forty snaps. He played more snaps yeah. than anybody on their defense. Charted him through one hundred thirty one snaps. He 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 played seventy seven point eight nine percent of his snaps at three technique. So only only nine point four seven and one technique, and he's then he's gonna he, rotate a bunch with Byron Murphy, and they're gonna no he no he'll he'll you think he'll he'll, ro he'll rotate in with Tavondre he'll you rotate so? in more with Sweat yeah with Sweat and with Collins and those guys they're not I mean he was a they had him he was almost strictly a three a, a a three tech there they're not gonna have him at the one tech here I don't think maybe they will I don't know I, I think that they'll just stick with having guys like you know like. Aaron Bryant, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe they could just say how much difference one tech than three tech. I, I don't know. Maybe they like him, maybe he could be a replacement to, to an Aaron Bryant. But to me, it feels like he'd be a backup to Tavondre Sweat and kind of, or somebody that would, like, I think, I mean, we're, we're coming back for full, full circle on this thing, Catch. Maybe somebody who's going to push Vernon Broaden. He, well, needs, trying to think, he needs more were, pushing than Alfred Collins. How many snaps did Coburn, Ajomo, and Murphy? and sweat as a group I'll have a year ago. As far as their total snaps on the season? Yeah, I'm guessing between the four of them, they had to be close to about 1,500. 
So, okay, well, if you can add them up, I'll just tell you. So last year, Ajomo had 316 snaps. Um, Coburn had 369 snaps. Byron Murphy had 327 snaps. And Tavondre Sweat had more than all of them at 408 snaps. Yeah, so not quite 1,500 snaps between the four of them. Vernon Broughton and Alfred Collins had 210 and 222, respectively. More than I would have guessed. So there's a chunk, really close to 2,000 snaps, where it's like, oh, how many of those are Murphy going to get based on last year? Even if we gave him 350, that would be an increase. Yeah. So, but, you know, but, even, but, even if you bump but he is moving from a backup role, but he is moving from a backup role to a starter's role. Not that that meant anything last year. Tavondre Sweat was a backup, and he played more snaps than all of them. So, and I think if I heard the numbers correctly, he had. Murphy had slightly more than Coburn. So, uh, well, no, Co- Co- it was Coburn 369, Murphy 327, but okay. it's six of one, half dozen the other. I mean, it's, it's fucking sixes. Regardless, I think there's whatever, however the conversation goes where we talk about how those snaps get allocated amongst defensive linemen this year. My guess is that Chris Trill Carter is going to play between 250 and 300 snaps and he'll be solid. He's not, he's not going to change the course of this season, but he makes them deeper and better up front with more experience. But, you know, I think the, the margin gained here is with your third defensive tackle, how good was Vernon Broughton or God, it might be Alfred Collins, huh? If we're talking about that three technique, yeah, I mean, if it's the three tech, if it's the three tech, it'd be Tavondre Sweat and predominantly Alfred Collins. Because I mean, Vernon Broughton plays at the three tech, but like I said, that's the guy they mix up with, like the defensive end and all kinds of stuff a little bit more than Alfred Collins, and he's a little bit more of a jack of all trades. Maybe due to the fact that he hasn't proven that he's been that really good at any of them yet. What would he have to do for us to say, you know what, that was a fucking smashing success, Broughton? No, Trill Carter. Oh, I think he would have to come in and be basically the – he would need to come in and be – so it would need to be – he would need to be the third – he would need to be the like the number three guy behind Murphy and Tavondre Sweat, I think. Number three guy with a little bit of production? He's not yeah. going to have Better production than he had in Minnesota, that's for sure. Yeah. In huh. fewer snaps probably. Yeah, maybe he'd be better with fewer snaps. Him. Yeah, maybe. You know, was he getting honorable mention All Big Ten off of? Remember how early on in the days when some of these guys make freshman All American as offensive linemen, and then they would never earn anything again. But you've got a little bit of a rep because people will say it's much better oh. statistically two years ago. So maybe yes. maybe that carried over to last. I don't year. know. I'm just trying to think because. You know, he seems like a guy that may have been getting bumped out a little bit by somebody at Minnesota. But, you know, the, the Big Ten coaches at the very least were praiseworthy of him. Huh. Anyway, let's go into uh, parting shots. Anybody got one off the top of their head? Yeah, I'll just say mine. Just thanks to everybody that came out to the happy hour last weekend. It was so nice to get to meet everybody and say hello. Um, hard to, man, it was a good, it was a great turnout. So thanks to everybody who came out and, ask questions and stuff like that. Um, 
hard to get to meet everybody, but the people who I did meet were all so nice and so kind. And um, many of them, a good crowd. Yeah, many of them weren't even like they're like, man, I'm not even on Orange Bloods. I just watch you guys on the podcast. I appreciate what you do, man. Um, you know, keep it up. It makes my day a little bit better at work. It's it's, it's cool to hear those kinds of you know, not to sound corny, but I mean, it's cool to hear those kinds of things, and it's cool to um, it's cool to have this community. So, uh, thanks to everybody who came out. I enjoyed being. I generally don't enjoy that kind of stuff. It feels awkward being in there, and you feel like you got to go say hi to everybody, and you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, or you know, are you supposed to go talk to some go like interrupt a group of people and go say hello, or you know, how does this all work? But it's like at the place like that, man, it's like just like with all this orange blood stuff, it feels like a community. It feels like family. It's, everybody's real war, warm and welcoming and cool. And it was a fun environment. I had a great time. And so I just wanted to say thanks to everybody for coming out to that. And also, I think Blake said, uh, speaking of the Orange Bloods family, the link to the Orange Bloods free trial, it's pinned in the YouTube chat. So um, just wanted to shout that out. I mean, the, I, when I joined Orange Bloods back in 2003, just as a member, I joined on a membership kind of like this, um, where, you know, you get a few months free to check it out. And it was like, it was all, it's been all, it's been all downhill from there, man. I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly what I mean by that remark. It's been horrible ever since. Yeah, no, no, it's been, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, man, you know, if you got, just giving you a warning, man. If you sign up for that don't, thing, you don't don't let Alex sandbag you. <laughs> you don't have when much of a chance. He had the microphone on Friday. He had a good time. <laughs> oh hell yeah, he did. Yeah, for sure, man. Get a couple beers in me and get and get me talking football, dude. I'm I'm gonna have a good time. So. Omar, hey, between you two, Omar and I were just kind of off on the side. I was like, dude, we might as well just go sit at a table and just have a couple of beers. Cause, yeah. Uh, well, anyway, so yeah, man, check out the promo and thanks to everybody that came out to the uh, Pine House for the happy hour. Felt like Alex and Keenan were the MVPs on Friday. I tried to stay out of the way. It was like nobody, like you say, when the question is Texas back came out, I remembered my answer was going to be, we're back to Texas fans asking where they're back. Like that is in itself its own stage. And I just stayed the hell out of the way. There's too many, too many good feelings going. Jason was proclaiming that yes texas was back i'm just getting the hell i gotta get some mod points man i gotta build up my mod stack you did you did and i think it worked uh any party shots jason yeah i'll echo what alex said to start i, I really had a good time down there and you know surprisingly traffic wasn't terrible and i got down there surprisingly early but yeah it was a good time i'd like to do another one or two of those uh in the hopefully not too distant future that was a good event a good location great turnout so thanks for everybody who's coming um we had some recruiting coverage. I had in my three, two, one. I'll have more in the war room. I talked to some other guys who were at the spring game, a couple out of state guys that nobody expected in. I'm not sure if anybody else even knows they were in, but I'll have uh, updates on those guys. I talked to them uh, on the phone. So I'll have updates on those guys in the war room. And then lastly, uh, certainly not least, um, y'all have heard me talk about my son in Japan. Uh, should still be a senior in high school. He's over in Japan. He is scheduled to come home. It's been three months. It's gone quickly. Scheduled, scheduled to come home this coming weekend. Um, so my wife and I will be driving to Houston to pick him up at Intercontinental Airport. Unless we can figure out a way he's trying to get things changed where he can stay one extra week because his travel program expires on Saturday, but his visa has another like nine days before his visa expires. So if anyone has any contacts at EVA Air, I cannot get anybody on the damn phone so we can change his 
plane ticket. Hey, in side note, EVA Air has a side uh, airline, and it's called, I shit you not, Hello Kitty Airlines. And it's got, I'm looking at the, the plane says Hello Kitty all over. Don't let your kid on that I'm airplane, man. Hello Kitty. That sounds like that You got to have a pink sparkly backpack to get on that. Glass. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, I got to go. Uh, nature's calling. For nope. the guys over at deadsoxy.com, thanks for being a wonderful sponsor. Use that promo code ORANGEBLOODS to get the hookup on all of your sock needs. They still got that 30% discount going. For myself, I don't know what the hell happened to Anwar. He just kind of disappeared. For Alex, for Jason, who didn't. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us for a little while, guys. We'll do it again next week. You guys have a great rest of the day. Later.